if I just go in uh, and do this, which is say uh, click live now on Twitter, you see, because this is great. This is particularly good for the people who join on podcast because they um, <laughs> they just get silence, particularly when I, uh, the uh, the chat freezes for me. Uh, there we go. Let's just do that and do this and click this button here and then put that here i think everyone can hear me which is good uh yeah there we go hooray um let's let's do this it's me oh gosh hello everyone hello hello welcome to tonight's uh rail natter um it, it, yeah, sorry about the brief interlude in uh, last week's episode, uh, where my, the chat froze, <clears throat> and uh, and I just didn't press F. I always, I'm always I always forget I'm always wary to press F5 on the free, on the live stream feed in case it cuts the feed. But uh, no, it should be fine. Lots of hellos, hello to everyone, uh, hello to everyone who um, uh, who uh, joining through uh, via Patreon. All my Patreon people, hello to all of you, particularly the new people. There are a few new people um, who are joining. Uh, actually, that's a very good point. Uh, it'll be fine. They'll be fine. Let's not worry about it. It's been a bit as ever. Wednesdays, I, I should really need to get into the habit of prepping these on a Tuesday uh, evening, not on a Wednesday evening after work finishes. Um, oh, how are you all? Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Um, uh, oh, big, big shout out to Jim Chisholm, actually, who uh, sent through a fantastic book. Uh, for me, feel free. I mean, feel free to just send me books. This, this makes me very happy. Uh, by this particular gentleman here, uh, who's who's this? Who, who's 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 Eric Lathwaite? Hopefully, all of you know who Eric Lathwaite is. But this looks like a particularly interesting one, and it's relevant to today's chat, in fact, because um, transport without wheels is completely stupid. This is this is science fantasy. So I would chuck it out, but actually, there's some fantastic maths and science in here. Um, and Michael, you know, it is a thing. Uh, and it will continue to be a thing in Ch in Ch China and Japan because they've basically built as much high-speed rail network as they can. When you finish doing that, you do need something else, and you might as well, you know, step up to the next thing, which is very very expensive. But you don't care if you've got a saturated high-speed rail network; you can go to the next technology. Anyway, that's a segue. So let's put that over here. Maglev is for another rail natter, isn't it? Um, I still have another haircut. Let's not worry too much about that. And in fact, let's not dither around with me yammering on. Uh, hello to everyone. Oh, there's already some chat about Leeds has come up already. Um, lovely. Uh, people are getting involved. Marvelous. Yeah, Eric Leithwaite and his Christmas lectures. They're very. Um, they're very. Fa they're famous and, and they're brilliant. He was a really inspirational chap. Um, uh, yeah, segways are not a form of real Chrissy. That is. Is this correct? <laughs> anyway, uh, without further ado, let's um, let let's crack on, shall we? And we'll 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 get on with talking about. Why uh, light rail is not a metro. There it is, isn't it stunning? The beautiful Intercity 225. That DVT just kind of cruising out of shot. Oh, I'm going to come back in, in big screen form so you can be reminded what the theme is, despite the fact that it was just on the title card. Um, yeah, this is going to be another... Well, these rail natters are often a bit... You know, they're a bit ranty for me, but hopefully... Oh, wait a minute. Let me just uh, do 
this because I was framing this for it. Did a nice um, little interview with Dave Frankel. David, if you're here, hello, um, for a video that he'll be putting out. Check David out on YouTube. There's loads of good stuff in there um, that he'll be putting out at some point uh, this weekend, you know, Friday or, or over the weekend. Um, talking about high speed too, actually, funnily enough. Anyway, uh, right, before we talk about light rail not being a metro and other gripes, uh, and line up your questions, uh, I answer, I got a question through on uh, for, for, for um, whoever sent me a, a nice long question through on Patreon. I answered it on Patreon, just in case you haven't checked. Um, let's go on to the news. What is the news? Oh, golly. Okay, the first piece of the news uh, is... I, if you think about the news, I I, uh, I do not want to um, I do not want, I don't want to emulate well there's your problem podcast too much but it's so tempted to get a car run at the bottom, uh, <laughs> just, uh, but I, I'm not I'm not I'm going to resist I'm going to resist that much as it would be good fun, um, maybe I should maybe I should do it they've got theirs as being like increasingly low resolution so i mean alice uh justin liam if you're watching which you won't be because you've got bigger things to do like recording more four-hour podcasts um apologies it might happen i might put a, i might do a thing for the news anyway uh yeah this bit of news is um is about pacers uh these awful pieces of junk there will be a pacer episode just to cheer up pacer commander um, they're awful. Should never have existed. They were a mis- uh, they were just an accident. They were they were just an accident. Uh, they they of, of people forgetting that we needed to have a new generation of DMUs and we didn't develop any. Anyway, that's another story. But they're they're getting dispensation. They're not getting scrapped entirely yet because of <clears throat> well the excuse is COVID, but actually it's just general railway industry incompetence, which is mostly government's fault because they should have been procuring a new fleet about ten years ago rather than doing it all last minute. So, um, uh, yep, so unfortunately people are going to have to live with, or indeed not live with, this just means that some people can't travel by train. It's as simple as that. These trains exist, it means that people can't travel on them. Um, so we've got the excuse of COVID for the rest of this year, but if they're not gone very, very early next year, then it's totally unacceptable. It's already totally unacceptable. Anyway, more of the news. Um, these two... These two former competitors uh, are combining into, uh, what are they combining into? All-Star DA, I don't know what they're combining into. The, the merger's been confirmed, it's happening, which means that um, poor old Siemens are going to have a, a really big competitor on their hands. Uh, I mean, they seem to be taking it in fine stead. I was pleased to be on a, a kind of an internal call with Siemens and, and what they were what they were sort of, uh, it's a press thing, and what their what kind of, what the outlook was, and this was asked about, and they didn't seem too worried, because frankly, the, we need to not be, there, there's plenty to go around for all of the, provi- the suppliers and providers, they just need to be, you know, we need to be pushing and lobbying government to invest in public transport, and then it wouldn't matter. Anyway, yeah, we've had Bombatom, we've, there are a few, uh, John Bull was coming up with a few interesting um, uh, different sort of uh, mashups of, of what the name might be. Anyway, all good fun. Right, anyway, on to the subject of tonight's chat. Anything, any, any chat, on the, any nattering on the news? We've got enemies to lovers. Uh, yeah, that's, that's right. I couldn't agree more, Sarah. Uh, here we are. Chris Bird reckons, oh, here we are. We're getting on into all the chat. Uh, engineering folk, no, engineering folk, no. Pacers did not save a thing. Pacers did not save branch lines at all. There is no uh, 
Sarah Noble has picked up who I reference when I say the news. Uh, thanks, Sarah. Uh, there is no news about the Dacia Sandero, none at all. I had this, have I talked about this epiphany that I say the news, the reason I say the news like that is because I'm mimicking without realising it, Clarkson. Isn't that horrifying? Anyway, we'll uh, move on from that swiftly. Thanks, uh, thanks Sarah. Um, Ted Fuller, hashtag kill the Pacers. Yeah, they need scrapping. They should have been scrapped about 20 years ago, but never mind. Best RDA is, <laughs> yeah, well, indeed. Um... Uh, yeah, it is mostly because of late deliveries of 769s. Uh, that is true. Um, both are bidding for HS2. Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting bit of a, a mess. Uh, no Chris Packham rant this week. No, because we've got we've forget. No, I'm not mentioning the fact that Packham lost his court case because uh, I'm magnanimous in victory. It's not a victory though. I don't feel good about it. The case should never have been brought, and now it has been brought. It's been used to. Um, been used to bash it's been used to support the the government's road building program so it's not that it was just a harmless thing oh people some people are saying oh it's good you know it's good that it can prove hs2's efficacy in environmental credentials no this was not a legal case about hs2's environmental credentials it was just about the fairly mundane understanding of the point of the okravi review um which was baseless hilariously baseless anyway but as a result of that uh, the precedents that have been set by this case are now being used to support risk two which is the government's 4,000 mile road building program, all of which are pointless uh, and sh not, a, not a mile of new road should be built, um, or certainly not a new road upgrade. Um, and it doesn't mean that highway engineers go out of business. I, I was moaning about this the other day, a lot of people, like, you know, including my, the, the company I work for, a huge number of people work as highways engineers. I'm not suggesting those people go out of a job. There is a lot of highways work to be done in repurposing the existing roads we have so that we can create, uh, you know, more tram lines for starters, but also cycleways, you know, that requires highways engineers. You know, if you're getting rid of, if you're turning a, an urban dual carriageway into a single carriageway uh, road and a, a maybe a dedicated bus route on the other side, or perhaps a cycle, uh, you know, proper cycling infrastructure on the other side, these need highways engineers. There is plenty of work out there for highways engineers. You're not being put out of a job. Um, it's just that government needs to stop spending money on utterly pointless, massive infrastructure, kind of road infrastructure projects that we've known for over a hundred years, don't work. They don't alleviate congestion. They make congestion worse. There's a thing called induced demand. It works on railways too, except that generally on railways, it's a good thing. Um, build it and they will come, which is bad for roads, good for railways. Uh, anyway, uh, right, lots of ranting. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, urban rail transit. Right, so this chat is not gonna be about rural railways. It's not gonna be about rural uh, transport. Um, because rural transport is that bit more simple uh, because it's not as high intensity so you generally don't need as many categories of it uh, and where you do have these categories uh, fine it's just not that interesting but really we're talking about urban rail um, and, and where you do have these things you know different highly you know highly categorized systems of rail transport spreading out into rural areas it's probably because uh, they're next to a city so Urban rail transport. What what is urban? What 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 are we covering when we're talking about urban rail transport? What are we covering? Um, no, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do this. There we are. Sorry. Forgive me, everyone. Well, the issue we have is that we've and this is the whole point of the of, of this rant is that we've got these two systems here that are kind of the, the key examples: the West Midlands Metro and Manchester Metrolink. Now, these systems have the word metro in their name, and they are not metro systems at all, uh, in any way. They are in a city, 
but that doesn't make them metro systems. And that kind of leads on to the point is that why doesn't it make them metro systems? Why aren't they metro systems? Why is it bad to call them metro systems? Um, you know, even, okay, if you accept the fact that calling something, giving something a name of a better infrastructure system or a better transport system uh, is politically clearly quite useful, um, which is a bad thing to be discouraged, but then how do you know what is and is not a metro? Um, uh, Dave is, is here. David Frankel is here. Uh, yes, lots of people uh, love, love that. Hello, David, by the way. Nice to see you. Uh, nice chat the other day. That was good. Um, so these two systems, they're brilliant. They're great systems, but they are, these should be ancillary systems. Both of these cities, these are the two, the kind of the, kind of the second and third largest cities in the UK. Um, and I'm not going to say which is which, because by different measures, you get different results. Birmingham's the second city, Manchester's the third, but you know they, they fight. Burnham might punch me in the face if I said that, but you know, um, he'll, he, Burnham would definitely beat Street in a fight, wouldn't he? Anyway, but that's a, that's not for a rail matter. That's that's for the that's for the after the rail matter after party, where we're all getting high on nuts and drinking uh, kombucha. Anyway, um, these two good grief, I've gone off on one already. These two systems should not be the main urban transit systems in these two massive cities. Don't get me wrong, Birmingham and Manchester are, by any measure, massive cities. They're not like, you know, Manchester and Birmingham are not like small cities, you know, you compare them to others like that. These cities are absolutely huge. They are massive. On a European level, they are massive cities. And they are cities that merit a proper metro rail system, a proper um, mass transit, rapid transit system. So, but also you get other issues which is where there's, there's not just the metro confusion, but also we get situations like the DLR, that's the Docklands Light Railway in London, is not a light railway. It's called the Docklands Light Railway. It ain't a light railway. It's a rapid transit system. So why, why, why are we so confused about our, our... Why are we getting confused over our naming? Well, okay, the DLR is named such because it kind of was a bit of a light railway when it opened, and it was invis or certainly when it was specified and named. But actually, by the time it came to fruition, it, it had changed into being... Um, a it had a dedicated right of way. It had no at-grade crossings, which makes it rapid, and it, and it had high frequencies and decent capacity, which makes it a, a rapid transit system. Um, yeah, so we need to work out, you know, what, we need to work out some sort of naming system and then stick to it. Um, and accepting, as Chris Bird has pointed out several times, metro really is a is a bit of a marketing term. Well, to Yes and no. Uh, it is clearly used as a, a marketing term, but you wouldn't call, um, you know, we, we shouldn't call, for example, um, uh, you know, we, we shouldn't be calling metro system. I'm trying to think of another example, like high-speed rail. But there aren't really any examples I can think of where you'd uh, open a railway that is not a high-speed rail railway and call it a high-speed railway. Um, there are probably more examples in Europe than there are in the UK. We just don't build any new railways, so we don't have any examples to pick out. Um, yeah, so, um, yes, I am actually convinced that DLR is too good to be a light rail, David Shepard. It isn't a light rail system. Uh, so Mike Woolbridge is suggesting that metro systems, tram systems, light rail, uh, all come under the umbrella of rapid transit. Nope, that's not correct. Uh, rapid transit is a very, has a very specific uh, term as defined by the, uh, the UITP. So no, metro, uh, sorry, rapid transit is um, very much uh, a specific term uh, and it defi it's defined by 
uh, capacity, but also by the fact that it does, is not at grade with any road crossings. It's entirely uh, protected. Um, it doesn't mix with other traffic forms and on, on track as well. There's a specific, uh, rapid transit is a very specific meaning, which is why we shouldn't call bus rapid, bus rapid transit. We should be eliminating that description. It, bus rapid transit is a, is a contradiction in terms. Uh, it, it, it isn't rapid transit and it, we shouldn't be called, we should, we should be, um, shouting about the, the, the fact that bus rapid transit ain't bus, ain't rapid transit. We should be ignoring it. Um, uh, yeah, Ned Carlson, Brightline, NEC, whatever VIA is trying to build. Yeah, these are good examples. The US is better at, at building heavy rail and calling it a thing that it isn't. Um, yeah. Uh, the Welsh Government, including buses within the definition of the North Wales Metro. Yeah. I mean, by all means, have a an integrated transport system. Um, but call it, don't call it a metro. It's not a metro. Uh, BRT equals jumbo shrimp. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Uh, yeah, rapid transit is grade separated. Yeah, Jermaine, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, yes, anyway, right. So, where was that? What was that? I'm missing it. Sarah, you're going out to eat. Uh, you're going, going to eat out later. Any idea? I've missed, I feel like I've missed part of the conversation. Could tram trains form a metro? No, they couldn't. Um, because if it's tram train by definition, it's probably got grade. It'll have at grade stuff on the tram bit, which makes it not a uh, metro system. What would I call the South Wales Metro? A mess. Uh, it's not that I'm dis uh, I'm uh, disagree with what's happening as part of the South Wales Metro project. Uh, I just think you know it's it's, a, it's certainly an entry way to an entry into having a better integrated transit system. It just shouldn't be called the South Wales Metro. It should be called the South Wales. I don't know. South Wales Urban Transit Network. It's not as snappy. You see why people use Metro? Anyway, let's talk about railways. <laughs> uh, so I'm about to you. You're all about to get the benefit of a brief bit of lecturing. I uh, try not to make uh, rail matter a lecture, but I've nicked my slides uh, that I deliver as part of my lectures to um, at the University of Birmingham, uh, just to explain why railways are a good idea, why railways are... Um, why they're good? Why, why is a bus system that ostensibly looks like it might provide the same capacity as a tram system? Um, why, why do I generally think that in that case you should always go with a tram system, not a bus system? And it all kind of, so essentially the question I'm asking here, there's a nice picture of railways, the question I'm asking here is um, basically what gives rail its edge? It's kind of worth going through kind of, yeah, before, so outlining the context, if you like, within which uh, track infrastructure was developed uh, and, and kind of why the railway is, is still here today and, and why rail is better than tyre, why steel wheel on steel rail is better than pneumatic tyre on tarmac. Um, so, uh, yeah, throughout pre-industrial history, there kind of wasn't, wasn't much choice for moving things around, uh, particularly if they were heavy. Uh, so, so paved roads existed well before uh, Roman times, but, but um, you know, a horse and cart still couldn't really move uh, large loads around at any great speed. Uh, yeah, you know, for most people, uh, moving your goods about meant piling it on top of an ass and, and hoping for the best, to be honest. Um, and then in the middle of the 1500s, some absolute bright spark uh, realised that if you kind of split a log in half uh, and rolled another log on top of it, uh, you could reduce the friction enough to move much heavier loads around. And um, this kind of rudimentary form of, of track infrastructure didn't really see much use out of industrial applications, though, for kind of a really long time. Um, there's a lot of chat going on about tram train. Uh, yeah, good grief. Much. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, so Mike Woolbridge has already gone into Wikipedia to check my definition of rapid transit. 
<laughs> uh, anyway, right. Um, South Wales Integrated Future Transit, Swift. Sarah Noble has literally just named the South Wales Metro better than the South Wales Metro name. Sarah, you're in. You've got a job. Um, anyway, what was on about? Oh, yeah, talking about water. Uh, so water uh, is arguably the earliest means of mass transit, uh, you know, across, up rivers, across seas. Uh, people have been using inland waterways, you know, particularly rivers, um, to move things around for a really long time. But only when the Industrial Revolution uh, arrived did canals, certainly, you know, British-style canals, um, uh, kind of start carrying frequent cargo shipments inland. Um, and in the UK, a huge network, as I will know, everyone here, I'm sure, knows, in the UK, certainly, a huge network of canals was constructed in a very short space of time. Uh, comparatively, large loads kind of, well, they could be transported by barge uh, and still would only require one or two horses to get moving, thanks to the incredibly low friction uh, offered by water. Um, you know, it's pretty slow, but it did the job. So the thing that combines all of these is, is really that until the Industrial Revolution, uh, until the Steam Age, we didn't have any way of getting more more than one or two horses involved, uh, and you know horsepower uh, involved. But we, we, you know, the infrastructure was starting to reduce friction. So if we flick, flick onwards, uh, in just at the turn of the 1700s and 1800s, uh, this this kind of Cornish bright spark, Richard Trevithick, started attaching high pressure, essentially giant kettles, big boilers, um, to wheeled carriages. He started connecting steam engines to wheeled carriages. Uh, and in 1804, he ran, uh, yeah, he ran a locomotive along the existing tramways. So they'd already been a kind of a plateway uh, between Penydarren and Abercunnon uh, in South Wales, top of the South Wales Metro, uh, in South Wales, which is where um, the first sort of locomotive running on a plateway happened. Uh, yeah, uh, in South Wales. So, hooray, South Wales. <laughs> uh, yeah, and here it is, looking kind of a bit daft, but, you know, that's fine. Kind of looks 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 pretty punk actually. Anyway, right uh, by 1825 uh, and then really by 1830, you, you had the Stockton Darlington and the and the Manchester Liverpool railways, which were the, the kind of the first modern railway systems, particularly Liverpool Manchester. Actually, I kind of I, I generally try and downplay the Stockton Darlington because yes, it was very significant from a uh, kind of a railway perspective because it was was carrying reasonably regular thing but actually it kind of fell and, and it was you know it was stevenson as well but it kind of fell between uh, standard gauge too it, it kind of fell between really the most important railway for the development of railways is actually liverpool and manchester um in any case it combined uh, the kind of uh, some of stevenson's uh, or stevenson uh, inspired uh, or locomotives that he created uh, a kind of that he'd seen other locomotives and he borrowed for heavily and potentially trevithics actually um, I combined that with uh, a kind of a, an advanced form of the plateway, which was the, the, the kind of the, with rails sat vertically that we're familiar with. Uh, it was a winning combination, and the world was forever changed as a result. Um, and to be honest, kind of whilst developments in yeah, trains got fancier, um, you know, this tremendous leaps and bounds in, in train technology, the, the infrastructure on which it sat hasn't hasn't really developed that much since the, the stops in Darlington's first standard gauge lines, you know. Um, and, and the reality of that, you know, the simplicity and functionality of, of, of railway tracks means very little has actually changed. So if we, if we have a look at this, this is the original tramway, actually, or a piece of one of Trevithick's early tramways. And, and it, you know, there's check rails, there's, there's, you can see the crossing nose, uh, you can see it's being held to gauge by these bars. Actually, there's a tremendous amount there that's very familiar. You, know, you can see switches at the top, switch, kind of switch sliders, looks a bit like a Playmobil railway um, panel or a Lego one more than a modern railway one but all the bits are there actually very little's changed 
So you can see, compare that to modern SNC layouts, actually not much has changed. And the reason for that um, is, is, it comes down to some sciencey bits. Uh, so it comes down to, uh, yeah, I'm not going to shout power in my Clarkson voice, Michael, it's not happening. Uh, I don't have a Clarkson voice, I'm in denial about this. Um, <laughs> the railway owns its endurance to the fact that these fundamental principles, so stress equals force divided by area. Um, so if you've got, uh, there's a diagram that really shows this neatly. I don't know how many of you have seen this, but this is this this image here is is an image that represents the principle of load transfer, and and so the railway owes its endurance to the fact that um, this setup, the way we design railways, offers a really high level of control over the distribution of loads. So at the top, where you've got um, the contact between the wheel and the rail, you've got a very small contact patch about the size of a five pence piece or you know a, a thumbnail. Uh, the stress is very, very high to the point that it's high enough that actually it liquefies the steel. You get you get ratcheting of the steel at the top, but the steel is strong enough on both the wheel and the rail that that load is that the, the the interface there is is fine. You can have a small, a very small uh, size contact patch, very high stresses. But then those stresses from having the very high stress at the, the the wheel rail interface, those stresses get distributed. So by the time you get down to kind of um, basically underneath the ballast, it's at the point where you can put your hand underneath the railway and support a train going past. You know, 50 kilopascals is easily the amount that, that your skin can, can sort of sustain. And so we're a very large area. So actually the stresses are massively dissipated by this, you know, very neatly by this sort of layout of railway. Um, anywho, so that is... Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you, David. Uh, Patron-only update for me shouting power in a Clarkson voice. Yeah, possibly. In any case, that this stress equals force times area um, means that the combination of you know this this principle load transfer means that uh, you know you compare that to a road. Uh, you've got a, with roads, you've got a system that's inherently more flexible. So it's you don't have to do much to the infrastructure, but you have a much more flexible system, which means that you need to have a larger contact patch uh, to carry similar levels of load. So that means that for rail, you've got a contact patch about the size of a five pence piece. For road. That contact patch you know, for HGVs is the size of an A4 sheet of paper. Now, what does that mean? It's about friction. So if you have a really small contact patch, that means that your friction is very, very low, which means that your energy efficiency is huge. And that is fundamentally why railways is good in it. Uh, it's as, it, is, it really is as simple as that. You've got, um, there are all sorts of other ancillary things, but generally you can sort of, you, you can replicate those with, you know, in, in, a, in a, a tire system. But... If you really want efficiency, energy efficiency, and a system that is uh, really durable and robust, that's why railways endure. That's why we still have them now uh, in a way that other systems don't. So anyway, right, sorry, that's the lecture over. I promise, I promise, I'm really sorry. Uh, yeah, 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 right, so, science a bit over. Let's talk about people movers. Uh, hopefully that science a bit didn't last too long. What was that? That was like six minutes. Uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. I don't know how well that works in in, in audio-only mode. <laughs> to all those listening in audio-only mode, I sincerely apologise. Um, yeah, this this basically boils down to rail, good, car, bad. Uh, speaking of which, people movers. So we, we're, we're going to start categorising railway systems. This is, the, this is the bit you've all been waiting for, categorising our railway systems. Uh, I'm going to bring OBS back so I know what the hell's going on. There's my face. It's still here. Uh, I can confirm my face is still here. Hello, everyone. Um, Oh, actually, let's just, let's just move some pixels around. Oh, there, we, there we go. That's better, isn't it? Let's, 
Get some framing done. Lovely. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's, don't worry about what's going on behind me. Anyway, so what we're on about, people movers. So if Charlie's watching this, she'll be very glad to see that. The parry people mover is a thing. It is. I, I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about, well, is the parry people mover actually a tram? But it isn't, because it is on dedicated infrastructure. So it is a people mover, much like uh, the what, what used to be maglev, but was repurposed into a more traditional kind of conventional people mover. There are quite a few of these people movers around. There's a new one being built in uh, Luton, actually. And um, people movers have their per they have their role. They have their role. You'll notice actually that these do not. People movers are a bit of an ambiguous one because they they don't have to be conventional steel on steel. Uh, indeed, the these ones aren't. They're kind of a weird hybrid system. Uh, but they are dedicated infrastructure. So I would count uh, some of the... There, there are a few systems that don't have the traditional steel on steel uh, that kind of come in as people movers in the UK. Heathrow has, has its people movers. Um, yeah, so so people movers. And I would count... Uh, yeah, yes, the, 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 the Parry people mover is basically a, a normal train that's just very, very small. But actually, yeah, I'm going to count the, the Parry people mover as, a, as, a, as being part of that category of people mover. So that's a bit of a funny category at the start. And, and uh, the next category, as you might guess, it's the, it is the cutest train that anyone's ever seen. Let's just dwell on the Parry People Mover for a moment, everyone. So on screen is, for anyone who doesn't know what the Parry People Mover looks like, you can get the spoken word, if, particularly if you're um, blind and you're just listening to this, uh, you can get onto to Wikipedia, search for the British Rail Class 139, and it'll give you the Parry, or search Parry People Mover, and you'll get a load of hits on there, and it'll read out what, what that is. Um, it's kind of like a little bus with a bit too much stuff stuck on the front. It's just it, it's it's a very strange thing uh, to be honest. I've never travelled on it. Uh, it gets so much love because it, well, look at it. It's ridiculous. When people, particularly in this country, but generally humans, like weird oddities. Um, is the Starbridge line still connected to the proper network? I don't know if it is actually. I don't know much about the Starbridge line. It's, it's a line that I. There are other people who do other YouTubey stuff that have probably done all sorts on the Starbridge line. So I'd, I'd heartily recommend uh, going and having. A, uh, yeah, David Frankel is, is, uh, reckons that the, re the question of the, the PPM, the Parry People Mover, be, uh, being what it, whatever it is, uh, depends on whether we're looking at it technically or functionally. Um, it's adorable, it defies categorization, I love it. Yes, there's a lot of love going on for the Parry People Mover. Anyway, right, so the next category is, is trams. A and actually, trams, there are still quite a few about. For example, Serbia, a city uh, that I spend quite a lot of time in these days, has a has a does have quite a few trams still running. Um, Blackpool still has some trams running, uh, officially. Uh, and yes, there are lots of historic tram systems, or there are a few historic tram systems running uh, in the UK still, but we don't actually have many trams system, tram systems running in the UK. None, well, one, Blackpool. And actually, Blackpool is slowly being re, uh, kind of converted into being a, um, a light rail system. Or, sorry, a... Uh, uh, well, it is actually light rail. We'll, we'll talk about why I'm hesitating on that in a second, because categorization is always a bit of a tricky thing. So trams, uh, kind of old-fashioned. Uh, that's they're, 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 they're basically buses that are running on... The, the, trams are essentially the way to look at them. If, if it's a tram, it's a bus that has got a pantograph and, uh, and is running on steel wheels on steel rails. It might not even have a pantograph, or it should have a, it should have a bloody pantograph, but it might not. Key thing being, it is a it is a railway, but uh, it's it's a bus on a railway. 
and it's a railway that has lots of cars running around on it. Anyway, then we move on to light rail. Now, people are going to get angry at me because I've put the Tynanwyr Metro on here. That's because the Tynanwyr Metro is borderline a uh, into other categories, but I would postulate, uh, being a big fan of the Tynanwyr Metro, I'll point out, that the Tynanwyr Metro is a light rail system, not a metro system or a, a rapid transit system. And I'll maybe get into why in a bit, but uh, do some Googling and decide. In any case, light rail is the next category. So we've had people movers, trams, light rail. What's the next category? Uh, anyone, anyone guessing? Feel free to um, repeat the second guess. Well, the next we have are medium capacity systems, which is the formal name for what often gets called LRT, light rapid transit. Um, but actually, I'm going inc- to try and stop using light rapid transit. I- I've used it a lot before, and, and in my reading for- to get a definition, to get some def- definitions down, um, I-, I decided light rapid transit is... Actually, really, light rapid transit is a descriptor for both of these systems in the UK, light rail and medium capacity systems. Um, yeah, so... The DLR is one of these. The DLR is a light rapid transit system. It's not a light railway, and there is a difference between those two. It's an important difference. Um, light rail is is the system is light. It's not necessarily intensively used, and it's defined by being. Um, it, it's not necessarily a ded- dedicated infrastructure. Um, it's there. To be honest, go onto Wikipedia to find the precise differences. Uh, and in fact, uh, yeah, the, the UITP definitions, I think, split these as well. But the reality is that uh, light rail is a fairly rudimentary type of system, whereas light rapid transit introduces all the additional sort of stuff. So you, you're talking about most its intensity. The key thing for all these is, is not actually the technology, uh, and we'll, as I'll talk about momentarily. 1934, we're not doing too badly. Next, we get on to rapid transit. Now, the threshold here between light rapid transit, or really media capacity systems and rapid transit, is that we are now getting into the realms of what can be called sensibly a metro. And here is probably my favorite metro system in the UK, only because it's an underdog. Sorry, London Underground, and everyone who's gonna now just hate me and block me and and tell me I'm I'm rubbish. But I I love it because it's an underdog and because what 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 a system it's stupid for so many reasons it's it's too small it should i mean in both sense in terms of gauge but also in terms of you know in terms of loading gauge in terms of track gauge and in terms of uh, the fact that it's still one loop and should have been expanded years ago and hasn't been um, but i love it i adore it and also it's orange so yeah it's also a winner uh, but there it is the uh, yeah the glasgow subway rapid transit but within rapid transit of course is london underground as well um, now, then we're going on to a sort of a weird hybrid. Now, the thing about rapid transit is the key thing is, from a technology point of view, this isn't the key thing in terms of its definition, but from a technology point of view, uh, it is the uh, the fact that it's grade separated. It's entirely its own dedicated system. It doesn't have mixed traffic. It's not coming on and off um, with other systems. Metro rail maybe provides the same level of uh, sort of service provision, if you like. Sorry, it, it maybe does create you know, the same service provision, but it will, uh, you know, it might well have a dedicated, you know, a dedicated tracks in, the, in its core, you know, th- the urban core. 
but if it starts to mix with other traffic on the kind of the, as it kind of comes out of the city then that means it isn't a rapid transit system it becomes uh, metro rail uh, which is sort of a bit of a hybrid definition between then we get up to commuter rail and the thing that defines these 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 are not so formal definitions actually these are def definitions that I, that's particularly metro rail is sort of a, a definition that i've uh, it does exist, but it's not so formal. It's pretty ambiguous. It's pretty changeable between different kind of um, regions. Then we go on from Metrorail. So Thameslink is a is a Metrorail system. Uh, Crossrail will be. Those are the only two in the UK. I. Yeah, uh, London Overground is an interesting one because the capacity is not huge. The the largest capacity part of Overground. Someone can kind of go in there for me, but it's not a huge long train, is it? They're, they're, none of the none of the overground trains are massive. What's the longest overground train? Is it, is it nine car? In any case, London Overground sits in a funny space for here. I would say London Overground is commuter rail, actually, um, just like the cross city line, just like a few lines in Manchester, um, and indeed, you know, Glasgow has a very good commuter rail network. So this is about this is often called suburban rail as well. But these are uh, these are not metrorail systems. They don't have huge capacities, which kind of leads on to the next point, actually, which is um, what? Yeah, basically, what is the thing? Right. Okay. So there's all the. So I've shown you all that. Let's 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 put up the picture of um, metrorail first because it looks nice. The old um, trainbow up there, uh, which may or may not. Uh, if yeah, if Charlie's on, Charlie in. Yeah, apologies, but uh, for for in fact, let's sit on commuter rail because it makes me angry looking at the. Also, there's some nice p-way in here, some slips. Anyway, right, what's the chat? Would I call Thameslink a metro rail system for its full length? Well, it's a bit of a hybrid, isn't it? Um, it's, it becomes commuter rail as it, for, it gets further out, but certainly through the core of the city, it's it's metro rail. Um, what is Mersey? Yes, Mersey rail. Yeah, very good point. Uh, Mersey Rail is probably sitting in... The trouble is it's not... Again, Mersey Rail isn't huge capacity. So it's sitting... I would say that Mersey Rail is sitting as being commuter rail despite uh, despite the fact that it's you know tunnelled for sections of it. I'd say that it's still only commuter rail. Uh, does anyone agree, disagree with me and think I'm wrong? Dave Frankel is saying I'm splitting hairs a bit. Uh, isn't Mersey Rail Metro Rail? Mm. Yeah, no, a few people are asking about Mersey Rail. I love Mersey Rail. It's another good system. Uh, it is awesome rail. But uh, I think it's commuter rail. And the reason I'm saying that is, well, okay, what, 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 do, what do people think is the thing, the main thing that really defines the difference between all of these? Um, and I'm not going to put numbers up. Spoilers. It's, uh, oh, people are asking, wait, 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 Metro West. Thoughts on Metro West? Uh, Bristol does not have any... Sort of, it, it, does it? It's got some urban, some sort of commuter rail, but it's such a, I don't know what is it like two lines maybe. It's it's very weak. Bristol does not have a proper, yeah. The longest Mersey rail consists of six cars. Uh, it's not. It is mostly segregated, but again, Mersey rail mixes with other traffic, which means it can't be. Uh, it's it's at best metro rail, but it, I, I think by the capacity, it's only commuter rail. Uh, and that's a spoiler for what the thing that defines what all these are. It's not actually the technicalities. Remember, we've got to move away from the technical stuff. Well, there's lots of technical people here. But we've got to move away from the technology. It's, what is it? I just mashed my keyboard, it didn't move. It is 
passengers. Uh, not, not, not those. Not, not. I mean, that's that's a that's a cheap gag. It's about capacity, 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 capacity. I'm banging the drum. Capacity, capacity, capacity. It's about what it does, not about what it looks like. So we've got to look at this. Yes, there are things like um, grade, grade separation and you know, dedicated rights away, mixing, mixing with traffic. But these really are all things that impact on capacity. So it's all about capacity. Um, so I'm going to leave capacity, capacity, capacity up there to etch into your brains while I track back through the chat and see what people are saying. Uh, John Mannion, uh, commuter rail always see always been defined as centrally terminating. That's interesting. Ah, that's yeah, that's okay. it's a technical factor rather than a capacity thing. But that's yeah, that's an interesting one. Essentially, if you've got central, yeah, so centrally terminating, it's considered as commuter rail. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, Ailey, you did miss Glasgow subway chat. So, sorry, sorry, mate. Um, let's see. So uh, we need a comparison table. Well, the thing is, I could have put a comparison table in here, but I would like, I want people to create, a, a, I want people to chuck me, angrily throw me what they think their respective systems are and how they fit into, this categories, into these categories. Um, I'll even put in, uh, what I'll do is I'll post on Twitter, for all those, apologies for those of you who aren't Twittery people on, on here, for those on Twitter, I'll post an image of a, of a, of a, a blank table <laughs> where you can shove in the logos of the things that you think fit in the respective boxes uh, and then you can shout at me about why. Um, let's go through, see what else. Remember to add my name into the comments, by the way, if you're asking a question, just so I can see. Metro versus commuter rail, bi-directional, frequent off-peak service. Yeah, there are, these are all service provisions, but um, overall for me, it's about capacity. It's all about capacity. Um, so let's see, uh, explain to HS2. Oh, Eurostar Lover 009, what explains HS2? Because uh, that's, that's, that's long distance, kind of heavy rail. It's sort of slightly separate. Um, William, what, what, William's making a reference to something. This is the chat's gone off. Look at our fantastic map of 37 lines, which run once per day. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is very true. Uh, Jeff Wade is asking if there's a practical benefit to having so many categories in transport planning terms. Um, well, it allows us to focus. Basically, it allows you. Uh, so this is something that I'm uh, like, I can't remember whether I've had this before, or whether it's come straight from Edward Lee of Smart uh, Cambridge Transport, Smart Transport Cambridge, S, whichever way around the, the name of the organisation is, shout out Ed, um, who reminded me that it's all about nodes before modes. And the reality is you need to look at what your, what your urban area needs and then you fit the system onto that. So by, having, by looking at these different categories of, 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 of transit system, it allow you, you know, by having uh, kind of by having these categories, it makes it easier for a transit authority to decide which one is relevant to the particular flow they're looking at putting into public transport or upgrading. So, or indeed looking at the future flow as well. So the reason we have these breakdowns, right? Bye, Sarah. Enjoy your dinner. Uh, hopefully, the recommendation was a good one if it came up in the chat. Um, uh, oh, restaurants. I haven't been to. I haven't been to one. I think hopefully we're going to one on Sunday night. I haven't been to a restaurant in the UK yet. Went to one in Serbia. It was a bit of a weird experience having food handed to you. Anyway, this is irrelevant to everyone who's here uh, and wanting to talk about trains. Anyway, so um, lots of yeah. So there's lots of uh, yeah. So the reason for having these uh, splitting, the, the the various splitting of, of of these categories is that it allows us to know which system should be happening for a given flow. So it means that we can hit people over the head when they haven't... If we just had three categories of, like, 
you know, high intensity service, medium intensity service and low intensity service, um, it might make it harder for us to bash the heads of the politicians who are avoiding investing in the right infrastructure. Whereas having having a decent number of categories, because these things all do, these all operate quite differently. They're all quite different looking systems. Um, and it's the, the fact they look different is what gives the different capacities. Anyway, I'm wittering on and we've got, we've got a while to go. Uh, no, frequency is, frequency alone isn't enough. Right, let's talk about capacity. So um, let's go in here and so, here is, a, here is, I don't know if you've seen these before, these are the new editions of uh, my permanent rail engineering capacity comparisons. Uh, this is this is for Thameslink. Uh, this is the potential for Thameslink. I should have put the Crossrail one on. Um, Thameslink isn't quite operating to this level yet, but it will. The way that you get capacity, so capacity is measured in passengers per hour per direction, PPHPD. Uh, and so that's how many, so that's looking at how many trains uh, how many people can fit in each train, and that gives you a PPHPD value. Uh, and in this case, for if you've got a Thameslink train that's carrying around 1,700 people, you've got 24 hours uh, departures an hour, you have a capacity of around 42,000. It's as simple as that. Big numbers. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, David, uh, that's, so I'm going to keep going, I'm going to address David. David's made a very good point, and I'm going to come back to that after we've gone through these. So that's Thameslink, which is Metrorail. So that's kind of basically the best, that's the highest capacity railway system in the UK. Um, it's very impressive. Uh, uh, but it's not, you know, it does, you don't have to have heavy, you know, you don't have to have what we call heavy rail. So really we mean the National Rail Network. We don't have to have um, heavy rail to get those numbers. Actually, uh, the Victoria Line, uh, this is very bright blue. This is the official Victoria Line blue in RGB, but I should have toned it down a bit because crikey, that's bright. So everyone's now color, everyone who's colorblind can't see that, but basically this is the Victoria Line, and it's a rapid transit system, uh, and there are you know eight car trains, eleven hundred and twenty eight people per train, uh, thirty six departures per hour, give you over forty thousand passengers per hour per direction, big numbers. These are huge numbers. Whereas if you go to Manchester Metrolink, which is as you see, this is an older one, and I've written light rapid transit. I shall be correcting this now to to fit the new categories. Um, this system actually has a capacity of around about a tenth of a full-scale metro system. So whether it's rapid transit or whether it's metro rail, you know, heavy, you know uh, commuter rail system, actually, metro rail and commuter rail are a bit hybridized, by the way. So, so the reality is that I just, I, I mean, sort of, metro rail is just really saying it's not dedicated rapid transit. It is, it's, it's a more conventional railway, but it's reaching capacities of metro rail. It's all about capacity. So... People are going to shout at me about, um, yeah, one tunnel. So, yeah, one tunnel in each direction. Yeah, that's, so that's, so th these are the, the reason for these capacity comparisons is to allow you to compare different tra uh, transport systems. That's the point of it. Uh, and so, oh, incidentally, if you're curious as to what um, the Boring Company's loop achieves, there we are, Boring Company's loop, as confirmed in, a, in one of their own press releases pretty recently, they're looking at um, managing to squeeze 100 departures per hour, which is already... Uh, reasonably uh rapid uh, so that's that's quite a lot of vehicles somehow departing but still that still only means uh, about 100 p passengers per hour per direction so um what a load of junk uh yeah absolute junk anyway so there we are capacity comparisons uh so yeah metrolink is is just so let's see so we've got could merge really yeah lots of merge real chat right so dave frankel made a very good point 
um, which is the counter-argument to this, is could, could an obsession with putting systems into boxes not be holding back innovation? Uh, Germany, for example, has made a success of mixing otherwise separate modes. Um, a couple of things to that. In a country that has a better track record, not a perfect track record on, on rail investment, actually, they've got, they're much better at urban transport investment, but on a country like the UK, which is uniquely hopeless at making urban transport investment, actually it is important because these, these, as I've just said, these systems are all defined by capacity. And if we are providing, if we're saying that we've given, got a metro system in Birmingham and, and Manchester, and it isn't a metro system because it's carrying a tiny fraction of the number of people, then you aren't creating the opportunities in that city that public transport should and can to get people uh, not only driving economic growth and all those things, but actually more importantly, just getting people to choose to take public transport rather than driving. So uh, that's my response, David, is that I'm not saying that we need, I'm not saying that we have to box this. This isn't about categorization for categorization's sake. That's really a fun discussion to be had in, in, you know, on Twitter. The important thing, the tool, the tools of laying out these categories is more to give us um, blunt objects to um, politely, you know, or should we say rotten tomatoes to throw at politicians that, that fight against proper urban rail transit. Let's look at a map of, or let's look at our little island of GB again. Here it is, there's the island of GB. Uh, funny little shape it is. Here are all of our cities again, they're just like last week. Here are all of our cities that have populations of over a quarter of a million. Um, and actually let's break these down to three kind of groups. So we've got between 250 and 500,000 people in the built-up area, we've got um, crikey, time has flown already. We've got between five hundred thousand and one million people in the built-up area, and then the last sort of collection we've got, which is six cities, so six built-up areas in the UK that are larger than one million people. So these are these are big cities. These are massive cities by any measure. Um, now, how many of these do we think have rapid transit systems? By which I mean, or or metro rail? Which ones? Any thoughts, people? Uh, there we go. So uh, some thoughts. While you're thinking of thoughts about how many, so that we need a number of the number of cities with rapid transit systems. Um, well, it's, this conversation has really, it's, there's a discussion about BTEX going on, which is, uh, yeah, here we go. Let's, uh, ah, <laughs> oh, I see, okay. Let's, let's not be mean about, yeah, agreed. Uh, Yes, uh, right, there's lots of discussions. I'm sure it was harmless fun. Right, anyway, so four, six. So David Frankel is uh, agreeing with four. Engineering Focus is putting two. Michael Dono is two. Uh, and yes, so we've got two, a proper rapid transit. So David Frankel is suggesting London, Liverpool, Newcastle, and Glasgow. <sighs> I'm afraid the answer is very much two. There are only two cities in the UK that have rapid transit systems. Uh, the Tyneware Metro is not a rapid transit system, at least not yet. Um, if it increases its frequency uh, across the system, then it, it has the potential to be. But the vehicle, you know, the trains are short. The So the capacity of the Tyneware, I need to do a capacity comparison for the Tyneware Metro actually, but it's not huge. It is not a high capacity system. And it should be, it really should be. So um, there are lots of, there are deaths of three, two or three, five. Bjorn, you've been very optimistic. This country is a, it, 
to quote Alice, uh, cannot, to quote Alice Caldwell-Kelly, cannot overstate the extent to which the UK is a failed state uh, and that we have six mul- you know, million plus built up urban areas and only two of them have rapid transit is shockingly embarrassing. Um, Dave Frankel is pointing out that the Tynemore Metro has a higher capacity than the Glasgow Metro. Does it? Does it? I'm going to do capacity comparison with both of them, and you might well be right. Um, so, so there we go. Uh, 600 per metro on New Fleet uh, times six per hour. Yeah, it's not. It's not great, is it? Uh, it is not great. So that's 3,600 per hour. That's on the Tynemore Metro. I think that's smaller than. Oh, go on. Let's do the sums now. So, right, we can all, we can crowdsource. So that was 3,600. So wait a minute, let me get my pen up. Uh, let's just go for white. So uh, the time and we're metro. So what was that? So we had, what was it? 3,600 uh, passengers per hour per don't worry, mouse drawing, I really need a whack-em. Uh, right, this is, so we've got 3,600 pphpd for the Tony Metro. Glasgow Subway, what frequency? What's the fast, what's the capacity of the new trains? Uh, let's go in here and have a look. So Glasgow Subway, rolling stock. Second generation, nope, the third generation is, how many people, capacity? 112 plus 165. Uh, that's 165, which is 277. So how frequent does the... Uh, so that's 277. So Glasgow subway. So that's 277 plus... What have we got? Go on, go on folks. Tell me how frequently... Uh, oh, no, we're talking about core capacity here. Why draw the mouse when you have a keyboard? Because because the part of the fun is is putting it on screen and it looks a bit rubbish. That's kind of part of the gag. <laughs> so we're looking at. I'll tell you what. Well, let, let's sack this in. So Glasgow. So if we've got what was that? That was two seventy-seven. Uh, of Glasgow subway. This is quite the. This is this is this is some good stuff. Uh, the, the, the trains every four minutes at peak. So 60 divided by four. So that gives us 15 trains an hour. So 15 times 277 is equal to uh, 4155. 4155 four, uh, P per hour, hour per direction. Uh, so Glasgow subway edges it, just edges it. Um, but it is it is very low. Like I will freely admit, it, it is very low. Um, however, it's fully dedicated, and uh, besides, as we've said, categories are there to be broken. Um, numbers of doors for metro systems. Oh, I don't know. You can yeah. Leeds is the only urban area with over a million people in the UK without a mass transit system. Yeah, but it's even worse than that. You know, we've got. So if we go back to let's flick. So, so in terms of the systems that we have, this is where I think it has broken down to, and this is probably the thing that I'll use to create the table. Um, we have uh, nearly have six people movers. We we have, let's see, I've got zero here because actually Blackpool, Blackpool trams is really moving into the into the kind of light rail, uh, or into the or actually into the medium capacity. Uh, 
system uh, type thing. And these, these are both, these both really come under the, or generally come under this category of light rapid transit. But I, I'm going to stop using that because it's a bit of a euphemism for the fact that actually there's quite a big difference between these two types of system. So that this is designed between Edinburgh tram and between so between Edinburgh tram and uh, and this kind of medium capacity rail. Yeah, I'm so so really it doesn't matter. So actually we've got seven of these systems in total, and how you split them is sort of dependent on you know we could go through and, and work out capacities for each one of them, and maybe that's exactly what I'm going to do, and I'll issue them out on Twitter and we can have a think about them, um, and kind of compare these different systems. Uh, yeah, but uh, the key thing is, is that in terms of rapid transit, we only have two of the systems here. And arguably, yeah, if we if we discounted, if we decided Glasgow subway gets kicked out of that, that reduces to one. So we only have one. And where, which city is that in? Can anyone remind me which city it's in? Uh, that's right, uh, London. Yep, that's right. Which would make sense because it's the biggest city, but that doesn't that doesn't explain why it's omitted from five other million plus people built up areas um so this is uh, this is Thameslink uh, here and also Crossrail eventually when it does actually get built uh, and in terms of commuter rail well commuter rail actually in terms of capacity commuter rail sort of often is far below these actually commuter rail often comes in here um, but it depends because for example in in you've got mixed traffic systems but you have definitely for example in in Mumbai it's very much commuter rail because it's not uh, dedicated, it's very much not on dedicated lines, but it's mixing up. And actually, you do have some on dedicated lines. So this, so the, again, these become a bit of a, these are a bit of a, a hybrid. But we're talking about uh, conventional rail systems. So for me, about it's about capacity. But actually, you, you could maybe argue that these can be merged. Um, but in terms of what constitutes a metro, these are the things that I'm talking about. So I don't count commuter rail as metro. I'm just talking about rapid transit. And metro rail. So there you go. Uh, so Jeff Wade, I'm not going to answer your question publicly about um, uh, Metroflow because I was the designer, lead designer on uh, lead track designer on that project. So um, uh, yeah, but if you check into your Patreon messages, there is an answer. <laughs> so uh, that's that's me sacked now. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I only only. Yeah, uh, there's a sensible answer to your question, which was about Metro Flow. Uh, right, so the House of Lords moves to York. Can we look forward to the York Underground? Absolutely. Yeah, the sooner we uh, that we get an underground system connecting um, from, uh, you know, this end of the west end of York over to sorry, the east end of York over to the station, the, the happier I'll be. Oh, anywho, uh, yeah, it's a very good point that most of London Underground is Victorian. The reality is that we just don't build public transport infrastructure in this country we're really bad at it so that's scribbles uh here are some some scribbles some good old scribbles lovely uh which people can't really read but that's kind of the part of the fun where does that leave us with these two i don't begrudge these systems they're terrific uh they're re both really good systems oh actually while i'm at it let's so this 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 spreadsheet which i put up last week for a while is one that i uh, i need to update with these new categories in fact so I've currently got like a slightly different, I've got kind of, I've called it urban rail. Uh, so I've got slightly different categories. I'm going to recategorize these according to the new categories I've sort of come up with. And maybe I'll read this, maybe I'll decide to make up new categories just to fool you all. But um, 
the key thing is the, the kind of the key takeaway in all this. This spreadsheet is eventually I'll share it, but it kind of goes through and explains where we've got. Uh, so is that Blackpool down there? Yeah. So it's looking at where we've got you know, these six cities. So the six big cities we've got. So it's Liverpool, Birkenhead, built up area, Greater Glasgow, West Yorkshire, West Midlands, Greater Manchester, Greater London. Of all of those, only one having, you know, if we discount poor old Glasgow's uh, subway, only London has a rapid transit system. And in terms, so that's just rubbish. It's just rubbish. Uh, and yes, West Yorkshire has a bit of a low density urban rail system, but it's 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 just it's really it's a regional or rural railway network within a city. It's not high density to any kind of capacity. It's not high frequency, and the trains are not long. Uh, until Thameslink length trains are running through the Castlefield corridor, which is you know a tricky one for all sorts of signalling reasons. But until you've got trains running that length. Uh, through the centre of Manchester or through the centre of Birmingham or through the centre of Leeds, uh, we are really not doing the right thing in terms of investing in urban transport. So, oh, lots of lots of chat. Coventry is very light rail. Yeah, I know that's uh, that's that's a, that's a whole new category that uh, that, that we can um, yeah worry about. So anyway, uh, yeah. So this this spreadsheet here is is something that I'm eventually I'll, I'll update and I will. Eventually, it will be will share. It contains all the major built-up urban areas larger than 100,000. Now, bearing in mind that um, in Europe, anything over a, a million justifies, uh, generally justifies a, a proper rapid transit system. Anything between kind of 500,000 and, uh, you know, so uh, anything between 500,000 and a million, you'll find either a, a, a kind of a light, uh, what, what I've been referring to previously as light rapid transit, but one of these medium capacity systems. Uh, and then anything less, you know, between 250 and you know, anything, any city, basically any city larger than 100,000 justifies a tram network. But this rail natter is not about trams because the hashtag build trams rail natter is, uh, is for another day. So we're just talking about metros and we're talking about the fact that we should be having rapid transit systems in six. So that's London Underground style systems in six of the cities in the UK, the six major built up areas. Um, and we should be looking at having these sort of, we should be having systems like uh, systems like the West Midlands Metro or Metrolink should be in these should be the systems that we have in those other cities so you know uh, there are lots of these so if we flick back this map so all these places in green so that's Plymouth you know Swansea uh, Brighton uh, Sunderland you know, Hull these places these are the places that should be we should be looking to develop develop um, kind of uh, tram systems for uh, kind of medium capacity sort of systems, the LRT uh, in kind of old parlance. The the pink places probably can justify a, a decent medium capacity system, and the blues should all have rapid transit systems. And really, there's no reason why we can't have rapid transit systems to a lesser extent in the in the pink cities, if we were going to kind of aim to the future. In any case, the point being, if it is a metro, great. Um, if you've got a city, a city that has a million people in it or more, you know, a built-up area, a million people or more, and it's got a rapid transit system. So when I say metro, what I mean by metro, to conclude all this, what I mean is rapid transit or metro rail. So a system with a, with a capacity in excess of ten to 20,000 passengers per hour per direction. So that's what you're kind of looking at. If you've got ten to 20,000 passengers per hour per direction, uh, I think you're happy to say it's a metro system. So to contradict everything I've said, 
independent of these of, of what your system is if you're pulling 10 the only way you can pull that number of people really is with the systems that i've called metro so rapid transit or metro rail if you can get a uh, a tram to have a passenger capacity of 20,000 passengers per, per direction uh, best of luck uh, that would be remarkable but you'd end up building something that looks like a london underground uh, on land in any case the key thing is that everyone needs to share and shout about hashtag not a metro when it isn't a metro uh, and i will continue to rant about this until the cows come home because cities like like leeds are frighteningly long overdue any form of mass transit, let alone um, anything, you know, a proper metro system of, of some kind. Right, so much chat. A few of those pink cities look close to each other. Wouldn't something that links to two make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, some of those urban areas are... So th that urban area I've gone with um, sort of uh, the ONS categorization of built-up areas, which do uh, split some out. So if we whiz back to that one... Yeah, so some of them look very close together. For example, uh, Derby, Nottingham, they're very close together. Um, Reading and uh, what's the other built-up area? It's the... Let's, in fact, let's have a look at this. It's the Farnborough Aldershot built-up area. Yeah, Reading and Farnborough Aldershot are quite close together. Those places in the Thames, I think, do they count as Thames Valley? Um, yeah, there are a few that uh, Sunderland, and you know the northeast as well. So um, Tyne Weir uh, has is a dedicated system, but Sunderland and uh, and Tyneside count as two separate built-up areas according to the ONS. So that's kind of why I've split those up that way. But yeah, the reality is that's one bigger lump, and actually you can grow that the number of people there. You grow even more. Should we be solving our housing crisis by building new railways and housing together? Asks David Shepherd. Absolutely, we should. Yes. Very definitely. The trouble with that was that um, the Metropolitan Line enabled a lot of people to have their houses and then they all became NIMBYs and didn't want any more people arriving. So they wanted to maintain their green belt because so, they wanted to have they wanted still to feel like the countryside. So the Metropolitan Line kind of made its own bed and had to line it on that one. Tim Dunn and I probably could shout and argue about that. Well, I'd not argue. I don't know. I'd be interested to chat to Tim about that and what he thinks. Because basically the Metropolitan Line created and then destroyed any chances that created Metroland and then also simultaneously destroyed there being any chances of being a second or third generation of Metroland because people decided the green belt was a good idea. Um, uh, yeah, Jeff, I, I agree. The time where Metro is a bit higher, I think. The, the South Gosford's P-Law uh, stretch does have about 16 trains an hour, I think, at peak time. Uh, so it is, that is reaching about 10,000. So it's, it's getting there. So the, in terms of so what we need basically is for me to put numbers up for a categorization that well this is a natter not a not a lecture apart from the little bit where I did do a lecture build houses and railways then obliterate the houses to build more houses and railways <laughs> roaming autocrat that's uh, that's one way to do it Eurostar lover zero zero nine asks should the government invest more in the north on railways instead of London apart from upgrades uh, no there's no sensible economic reason other than the abil ability of people, you know, the availability of people and resources to not be doing both. Um, but on that point, there is a shortage of skilled people. And so I do think that it's wrong. it would be wrong for Crossrail 2 to be pressing ahead if other projects didn't also get the go-ahead. But from an economic perspective, remember there is, from a fi fi national finances perspective, there is zero literate reason not to be investing in all of these things at once. Uh, that money is not an object. The availability of people to deliver the work 
is an object. Time is the biggest sort of resource that we're squandering at this point. Um, let's have a look. Uh, there are 30 trams per hour on the Manchester Central bits around Cornbrook, but the trains, yeah. So the, the, those capacity comparisons need a bit of work, actually. And, and it's quite difficult to find peak uh, throughput on some of these systems. But I think they're going to revisit these. Um, yeah, there's a whole episode on uh, engineering focus. There is a whole episode on working out uh, why we should and should not be naming bits of high-speed rail certain stupid things. Northern Powerhouse Rail is a stupid name. High-speed North is a stupid name. Should we call high-speed 3? Because we've got high-speed 1. High-speed 2 makes sense as a name. High-speed 3 makes sense as a name. And also, we shouldn't be calling them stupid things like high-speed high, high, high speed 2 is the right name for that project. Um, we shouldn't be creating huge, long names to try and... It's not the name that is the reason the general public don't necessarily get what HS2 is. Anyway, that's another story entirely. Oh, let's... So where am I being added? Uh, lovely. Yep. Uh, earned a ton of cash from house building. That's David Shepard. Uh, Michael Dono, thoughts on trolley buses? Uh, they're buses, but better because they're they're electric, so they don't have to carry around their own power. So they can be they can have a higher capacity, and they can, they're lighter, uh, and they're easier to maintain and uh, cheaper. Actually, once you build the infrastructure, the whole life cost of a trolley bus system is generally cheaper than a, a, a normal bus system where you've got intensive usage. No trolley buses, big fan of those, big fan of those. And again, you might well say, well, can you have hybrids where they do both? Well. The whole point of a trolley bus system is that you've got buses that don't have an engine in them, so they're cheaper and lighter. Um, yeah. How long? David Thomason asks, how long would it take to skill up to build a metro in this day and age? The last one was the Victoria Line in the 60s. Um, well, we just built Crossrail, which is broadly how, like, building a conventional rapid transit system nowadays um, is more complicated. Actually, you find yourself ending up with something like Crossrail quite easy you know to get the capacities nowadays actually you'll find yourself building a system like crossrail a metro rail system more often than you would potentially be building a rapid transit system that's why you that's why you end up with these hybridized uh, sort of things so you'd, you'd end up building uh, so for example in manchester and birmingham actually what we should be doing is not building you know the, the priority should actually be a, a metro rail tunnel uh, underneath, so we need to do Vic, uh, pick Vic, look up pick Vic on the interwebs in Manchester, and then in Birmingham, the cross city line needs to be buried underneath uh, Birmingham. There needs to be a tunnel that goes underneath, just like Crossrail. So you don't have any interaction with the the, the kind of the, the mixing of traffic through New Street. Um, really, you should have an underground station at New Street that's under underneath New Street. But there are lots of building piles that get in the way. It's doable though. Uh, let's see. Yes, let's see. There's, and there's, there are, the reality is there's always going to be a hybrid mixture, but the, the, the point of this chat isn't that we shouldn't have hybrids, uh, and I fully agree with David's point. The point of this chat is to shout at people when they're calling things that are definitely not a metro a metro. Uh, let's see, what else have we got? Underground rail to Isle of Wight to reduce commuting time. <laughs> I think there are other fish to fry first. Uh, tram power scheme has been coming soon in Preston for what feels like forever. There are lots and lots of systems that, uh, lots of systems that really ought to be uh, well along in development. You know, South Hampshire Conurbation should have had a tram system. It should retain its tram system, really, but it should have had a tram system. Uh, st you know, a light, kind of a light rail or a, a medium capacity system should have been installed there. Oh, crikey, it's 2012. Ah, oh, time has flown by. Uh, I don't believe there is a 125 mile an hour limit on HS3. Uh, I think that is, I, I don't know if it's been published anywhere, but I believe that uh, 
there's there's no particular description on that. The trains will have to be 360 km an hour compatible because they will run on HS2. And if they don't, they screw up HS2. So the that, that immediately makes you think, well, if we're having to procure trains for HS3 that are classic that fit with, you know, that 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 um are 360 km an hour capable, then we might as well look at building a 360 km an hour system. I've actually seen the alignment, the new, the, the, the probable alignment that HS3 will take, and it's a high-speed system. It's a proper high-speed system. It's high-speed two standards. So take from that what you will. Yes, I'm late, uh, which means it's time to move on. Thanks for all your questions, everyone. Um, Heel. If you're with us, thanks as ever for putting us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and t'other one, the ones with the squares that doesn't have a name that I can't remember. Um, and if you've joined us on this podcast, thank you very much indeed. This is a very weird format for you, so thanks for sticking with it. Hopefully it's vaguely engaging, the dulcet tones of my weird hybrid Scottish Devon Wales North accent all smooshing together. Uh, it doesn't put you to sleep, or maybe it does, and that's kind of the point. Uh, in any case, thanks. Next point. Ah, yes. Gary Keener is joining us next week to talk about making electrification stick. So we're going to cover all sorts of different subjects. But this is a really interesting one. I'm sure lots of you will be interested to, to watch live and to ask questions, but make, get your questions lined up. Um, it'll be a very Q&A session, I'm sure. Uh, there are a few potential no-go areas because Gary's involved in things that he can't necessarily share and talk about. He also can't be as outspoken as I am. So what, I'm gonna, what we're going to do is um, pretend that his, that his mic is cut out and that he's not hearing things, and then I can get very angry about the mess that's being made of uh, electrification in South Wales, for example. Um, all the discontinuous electrification stuff is just dismal. All the downhill, not wired, uphill wired stuff is just a disaster. Absolutely dreadful. Awful engineering, awful operational planning. Uh, it's just awful, 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 awful. Uh, it's just a way. It's just it's just bumping the cost. It's, if, if it was if it was reducing the, um, the, the 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 rate of build and making it a simpler system to run, great. But it isn't. It's making it a horrendously complicated system that's going to require very expensive. Uh, and heavy vehicles that undermines the whole point of electrification in the first place. Anyway, the reason I've said that now and not next week is so that uh, I don't have to say that when Gary's on the line because it'll put, it'll, yeah, Gary's very much better behaved than I am when it comes to his big employer. In any case, join, hooray, electrification. Um, thanks to all the new Patreon people. You're brilliant. Um, you help me do this stuff. And you also, yeah, for all of you who are watching, uh, vote on the Ring Letter themes. There's a, there's a poll that's still running um, vote there to bump up your favourite theme uh, for the next one. I think sleeper trains are looking really popular. And if you have any suggestions for people, oh, the open suggestion for people to join Rail Natter is still very much there. For anyone watching, if you've got an interesting subject, um, if you email uh, me at railnatter at garethdens.co.uk with a, with a suggestion, with some maybe some pictures that you want to put up, uh, theme suggestions, send that to, through to railnatter at garethdens.co.uk um, and I will uh, have a look through and, and see see what the suggestions are. Uh, and maybe one of you is going to join me for a, a, a rail matter coming soon. Um, yeah, that that's that. Let's get my big face up before I make the the, the small face. You know, make this end. <laughs> uh, thanks everyone for joining. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's it's just dreadful. Right, people are getting upset with me about South Wales electrification. It's just a shambles. Oh, people want to know about the north, a, 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 a tunnel to Northern Ireland. Oof, well, or a tunnel to the island of Ireland, actually. Uh, in any case, right. 
lots of chat. We're going to talk about fizzy knitting next next week. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about the fizzy knitting project. If any of you know what that means, ooh, there, there are a few things we'll talk about. In any case, you've been a pleasure. It's 2016. I'm very late. It was going to be a shorter one. I was hoping it was going to be like snappy tonight, but it wasn't at all. You're all brilliant. I, I love these. These give me life. Uh, lockdown is dismal and real natter is something that um, that I very much look forward to. So thanks all. I might have had a haircut by the time you next see me. In any case, uh, all that remains for me to do is, is, is uh, bid you adieu. Cheerio, everyone. See you at the after party. Bye. Cheerio.